Here it comes. It's Nashville Untold with Andrew Buckwalter. The podcast that interviews the most interesting and influential people making an impact on Nashville's business, charitable, and entertainment scenes. Joining us now from his roving camper studio, here's Andrew. Welcome to episode 57 of Nashville Untold, and thanks for tuning in. Today, I had the pleasure of hanging out with Levi Humman. Levi is a singer-songwriter based in Nashville. He has toured with Tim McGraw, Lady A, Keith Urban, Kelsey Ballerina, Sam Hunt, and others. He is a Nashville native and has been around music his entire life. He has fully taken advantage of the social media aspect, and we dive into the benefits of that in this day and age. We talk about what it was like growing up with a dad who is a very successful songwriter in Nashville, and what it looks like to follow in those footsteps, but also being able to step out of that shadow and create a name for himself. As a dad myself, I really enjoyed hearing how supportive his parents have been throughout his journey. The music industry can chew people up and spit them out, but Levi is in it for the long haul. Make sure to take a listen to the song Levi plays at the end of this episode in The Rambler. Let's dive into some of his story and get to know the artist behind the music. Hello, Nashville. Today, I'm hanging out with Levi Humman. What's going on? Not a lot. Ready to uh, learn a little bit about you. Let's do it. We are here in Centennial Park is where I literally grew up, like right around oh, the yeah? corner. Yeah. Nice. It's crazy. Nice. It's, uh, and you're 30? How old are you? 31. 31. We're not going to tell anybody that. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. So you've seen a lot of growth in the last... I mean, you probably didn't pay attention to it much within, what, the first 10 years, but no, I mean, you saw it grow a lot. When I graduated high school in 2010, um, I went to college for two years and came back to Nashville. So between 2010 and 2012, when I got back to town, that's when I noticed I was like, why are there cranes here? Everywhere. Why do people go downtown all of a sudden? I know, right? Um, Acme Feed and Seed was like the first place I was like, wow, this is like a bar that people go to downtown. Because before that, it was like, strip clubs and yeah, like, yeah. it was like one hockey talk. I think nudies and tootsies was it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, when we, we moved here in 2000 and we weren't really hitting the downtown scene, um, which it wasn't what it is, you know, 10, 15 years later. So I'm, I, I always think back, I'm like, I wish it was as cool as it is now. And I was as young as I was right. then, you know, and then like and we didn't, we didn't have kids. Right. And, uh, and we could experience the downtown. Now it's like, yeah. We have guests come in town, and we get to give them the tour of the city, you know. So, um, all right. So, what gets Levi excited to jump out of bed instead of hitting the snooze button? Honestly, uh, my dogs do it for me. Hmm. I start licking my hand and saying I have to go to the bathroom. So that's a that's an easy one. Um, no, lately, I've never been a sleep in kind of person. I'm a wake up and just get started. Mm-hmm. Um, working out for me is a huge thing. Going to the gym, running, going outside. Um, and then also I just love music. So every day is like a, it's a dream. I mean, yeah. getting to wake up and do something you love every day. Can you like, I can't believe it sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. So there's no, I want to sleep a little bit longer. It's like, I want to get up. <laughs> Some like, days there are. <laughs> Some days yeah. It depends a, on what the night before yeah, looked like. See, probably. It, yeah. If, if I was like on the road for the last two weeks, that there's definitely some sleep time. Yeah. Uh, no, but I, I definitely like my mom wakes up at four 30 every morning. And my dad wakes up at seven. And so I grew up in a household where my mom would be writing her sermon because she's a preacher or okay. my dad would be playing piano at 7.30 in the morning and just I would hear that piano and that stomp of a foot. Hold on that. Hold on that. Thought. Like, that my next question. All right. So we see what gets you out of bed. All right. So picture yourself laying in the bed in your basement bedroom and you begin to wake to the sound of your dad playing um, piano accompanied by the tapping of his boot coming from the room above. <laughs> What are some memories of those early childhood years that come to mind? Dad, shut up. <laughs> was, that re- be quiet. was that really it? I yeah, mean, I'm no, sure it was. So I had, I don't know if you just said it, but I had the room in the basement and the basement room was right under the piano. Okay. And uh, my dad's music room, like a mantra every morning, he would get up and start playing songs. And I'm dead serious. Even today, you go in the house at seven in the morning, he's playing a little bit of blessed broken road into some other weird stuff. And then like kind of goes into a new song where he's writing. Um, and so that's kind of what I remember is just like consistency from a writer and somebody who's mm. creative and loved just being creative. When I, when I didn't even know I was being taught lessons in music, I was being taught lessons in music of how to just mm-hmm. be 
um, inspired. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And y- you were at like age of five on up? You oh, always yeah, heard zero. Okay. <laughs> I mean, okay. my room in the basement started when I first went to high school because I was just trying to escape my parents. <laughs> so I was like, as far away and the, the farther away as I could go was downstairs in the basement. So. Single, single kid? Single kid. Oh, no, I have two younger brothers. Okay. I'm the oldest okay, of three. Cool. Yeah. Um, what, so what ages are they? Uh, we're all four years apart. So I'm 31, 27, and then whatever four years below that so is. So are y'all good friends still? Yes. How are y'all growing up? Were y'all good friends? So I have three boys. Yeah. I have uh, 15, and then a thir- 13, and then a eight-year-old. Yeah, I would and- say now we're closer than ever. Um, obviously, like when you're in high school and your youngest brother is in kindergarten, it's kind of hard to be, right. be friends. But we um, also not kindergarten, whatever ten years to eighteen is. But right, it was right. like you know, it was like a it's a it's a big difference as a male child. Um, Four year gap in between, yeah. yeah. That, that and separates so, quite a bit. Uh, but you know, like as I've grown older, my parents, and my brothers, they're my best friends. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something beautiful about getting older is like you kind of resent your parents or you kind of run away or rebel. And mm-hmm. then as you get older, you become super close. Right, right. right. Yeah, ours haven't done that yet. Um, but I mean, we've been pretty, with the older one, I've been pretty connected as far as we've always, he's been outgoing, open, talking, you know, so I just have to make sure that I keep engaging that, you know, as yeah. he gets older and wants to go hang out with the friends and all that kind of stuff, you know. How old is your oldest? Fifteen. Fifteen. Yep. So he just uh Let's go. <laughs> he, he, j- he j- yeah, he, he don't have his driver's license yet, but he uh he just um went to state in wrestling. Oh wow. So we were pretty excited for him as awesome. a freshman. Yeah. Wow. All right. So teens Don't are- mess with him. Yeah. <laughs> actually, I mean it is funny because you know, as a dad, sometimes you might react in a way that you probably need to apologize for later. Right. But as he's getting taller and he's working out and I'm like yeah, he's he's. I don't know. It won't be taking him much longer, you know. Which is motivation for me to get in the gym, right? And work out. I'll tell you this. Like, sorry to interrupt, no, but fine. I I um, <laughs> I remember on the beach. It was like in Redondo Beach in Delaware, where I was, and me and my dad like used to wrestle and whatever on the beach. And I remember the one time I got big enough where I just like <laughs> slammed oh. my dad into the ground, <laughs> and it was like we never wrestled again after that. It was like. It was that moment, and it was like kind of like I felt good, and then you feel like really, really bad because you're like I just put one foot in the grave for did my father. You, did you not wrestle because of him, or or he just chose not to wrestle? Or I what? just think it was like you're you're a big boy now. Right, like we don't we don't right, need to be right. doing this. Somebody's gonna get hurt. <laughs> and I also was like, I mean, I'm I'm a little bit bigger than my dad. I'm like <laughs> almost six foot, and he's like five nine. And okay, and he also has two fake hips now. So uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a little bit of like people right, could get right. really seriously injured. All right, so teens are beginning. Um, teens are beginning to think for themselves and possibly push boundaries with their parents. Do you have uh, great memories of high school years? Were you into sports, music, or just chilling with friends? I think music was like the last on my list yeah. in high school. Um, I like dabbled with my guitar and, and always was around it because my dad. Um, but I was really into lacrosse. I played okay. lacrosse in high school. Played in college for two years. Where did you go to high school? Uh, USN here in town. Okay. University School of Nashville. So, okay. um, really into that. Really into hanging with friends. Um, I, I think like my biggest disadvantage sometimes in music is a lot of people get started really, really young, and I really didn't really start until twenty two. Okay. Um. So yeah, high school was just chilling. Yeah. Were you a pretty good kid? Like, were you into trouble? Oh yeah, I was <laughs> troublemaker for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I I totally admit to that, and it's almost a joke now because, um, you know, I now I'm so, I'm like literally. I don't have very, very many vices left that right, I've quit. Right. You got um, them all out of your system. Yeah, and I on. and I think like that deep connection now with my parents is uh because of kind of running away from them for a while. Okay. Um and I think that's part of my story and kind of part of my um experience and inspiration for music a lot of times. So, well one question, are you warm? Cuz we can open these. No, I'm good windows. if you're good. Okay. Yeah. Um so why do you think you rebelled? Was it natural? Or was it what, what do you think made you do that? And I'm learning from yeah, having a 15 year old like you know. Yeah, I don't know. I um, we were actually talking about this in the car over here. Is being a preacher's kid, there's some okay. like weird <laughs> energy that happens, and I and there's nothing you can do about it. I don't know. Um, I think also my parents were really focused on their careers, and I mean now it's like oh my god. Mm-hmm amazing i mean my mom started an organization called thistle farms here in town yeah so you see that candle yeah so what's cool <laughs> is um so i i can't remember how i came upon you on instagram right yeah 
And so I, I was following you, and I'd go through, and that's kind of what I'd follow people. I'm like, hey, that'd be a cool person to interview at one point. And then we were at Red Bicycle. I yes, think. yes, and I'm like, amazing. He looks familiar, and I'm I literally <laughs> I'm looking at it. I'm like, I don't even know if I remember your name. Um, so, anyways, you know, yeah, I can reconnect you. Then I'm looking um, two days ago at your stuff, you know, and of course, then I say, oh, cool, his dad's a songwriter. You know, yeah, he's done pretty well, right? And then I saw your mom was uh, at Thistle Farms Fountain. I was right. like, oh, that's cool. I said, I have a candle in there, you know? So, yeah, you, you, have, a, you have some talent. In yeah. Brain, right? But, you know, like when your parents are super focused on their career, um, I felt like a little bit of resentment because I was like, what about me kind of thing? Mm-hmm. And I think that was like kind of my attitude towards that whole thing. And that stemmed to my brothers too. But I think also it's just my personality. Like mm-hmm. I, just, I was like a wild child, like – I literally would run with wolves if I had the option. And right, I think that's right. kind of where that all stemmed from. Yeah. 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 That, that's what figuring out, you know, your kids and you're like, all right, how much of that is my fault? How much is their character? How much is just being a boy or, you know, right. Trying to learn it all. Um, well, that's cool. And you, so you're obviously pretty good at lacrosse and I'm assuming that kept you somewhat out of trouble. Yes. You know? lacrosse, I mean, I had a really awesome coach, honestly, Josh Scouten. Um, and he kept our, kept our butts in line mm-hmm. the whole team um and also i think what got me out of trouble and the most trouble like kind of through college and whatever was all of a sudden this drive to be successful in music mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i was like i don't have time to mess around it's now like it's it's something that drives me every day to this day it's like mm-hmm. you know i'm not out drinking and stuff because i know that i really want to write a really good song the next day and i used to <laughs> be a little more in that right right but nowadays it's like i really care i really yeah. really want to be successful i really um i really love what i do like i said and it's just like why why mess that up mm-hmm. all right so you're now getting ready to embark on the new journey heading to florida what's going through your mind as you begin art school and what was the season like for you in college oh my gosh um i applied to a lot of schools. I went to, I got into University of Denver, a couple other places, um, but I really wanted to go to the beach. And so Edgar College in St. Pete, Florida, that was like, that was like heaven to me. And I, I really, that first year at college just was excited to be away. And then that second year at college, I went through like the worst breakup ever. Mm. And all I wanted to be was home. Um, and because of that breakup and because of kind of wanting to come home, that's where like songwriting came back in my yeah. life. Um, songwriting entered my life really, but really in a, in a real way, I was like writing every day. And it's now, how long were you with the girlfriend? Uh, just a year. Really? So it was like my freshman year of college was like dating this girl, kind of like my first relationship okay. where I'm independent, okay. kind of out in the, out and about. Um, and yeah, it just changed everything for me. Uh, and it was exciting. Like it yeah. was exciting being gone, but then, I realized how how much I miss Nashville and how much Nashville's a part of me. Mm-hmm. And you were pursuing art. Yeah, I was, was a, I was a visual artist. Um, so <clears throat> I did like painting, sculpture, and I did a thing called monotype printing. Yeah. Um, monotype printing is basically you get like one chance at like a print instead of like multiple whatever. So mono one. Okay. Uh, but I got really into that, and I thought it was a really cool medium. Um, and I think like thinking about it just out loud is, I think I was always chasing a medium mm-hmm. for my like whatever is happening here in my heart. Right. And I think the best way to do that was to um, music. It yeah. was like lyrics, melodies, there's art in it. There's everything in it. I mean, mm-hmm. and so that was good for me. That's cool. And you like the beach? Had some, <laughs> had some good. I love the beach. <laughs> my dad, I remember touring the campus and he was like, <laughs> he's like, you're going to get in trouble down here because <laughs> there's just like, you know, we're literally on a beach and people are like tanning and right, he's like, right. this, is, this is bad news. I was like, it's good news for me. I mean, I'm assuming you focused on grades and everything. Oh, hundred percent. Right? I mean, you weren't, you know. I, I guess maybe that was the plus of having a girlfriend for a year. Yeah. But then, did you regret it after you broke up, or were you there afterwards, or did you? Honestly, become- I'm like 31 now, so I don't really yeah. remember what was going through my head. But I do remember. I actually was really inspired in school, like visual arts. I'm, I've always like loved learning. I think that's like a huge thing for me. Um, and one thing I did was like marine biology course down there, and. We like lived in the Everglades and like went down to the Everglades and it was so fun. Mm. Um, that was just like a random thing. Did you see really like into. pythons and stuff? I literally wrestled an alligator. Not Did even you? gonna nice, nice. I straight up jumped on a little mini alligator. That was probably like this. It was like so, I would say it's about six inches. It's about three feet. I will give it like <laughs> about three feet, and I jumped on it uh, from a dare. Yeah, and uh, never doing that again. That's funny. All right, so how much of an impact did your dad's approval have on you when he suggested that you come back to Nashville and finish school at Belmont? 
Uh, and were you writing music at the time? Yeah, I was, like, I was writing music. I transferred as a songwriting major. Um, I was... I still look for my dad's approval, if that gives you any answer. I, I think even if I don't want it, I still sometimes I'm just like, do you care? Mm-hmm. And that's like a huge thing for me. Um, and... I was pretty upset when they wanted me to stay in school because I wanted to drop out. Gotcha. I really wanted to like just full-time music. I knew what I wanted already and I knew how it was going to go down. It was either going to go down with them paying more money for a a semester or it was like, I'm going to do this and get a publishing deal. And so the rule we had was get a publishing deal. You can bail. So you were 22 and you started it and you were 19 when you were in Florida, I guess, and 18. Uh, so 18 and then 19, 20 sophomore year. So yeah, 2021 was when I really started. And then 22 is when I got my first publishing deal and, and started really pursuing it. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, all right. And I think getting your dad's approval, that's totally fine. I mean, I wouldn't care to get mine, but right. I hope <laughs> that my kids want my approval. Yeah. You know, when they see, even as they get older, how wise I am. Yeah, I mean, it's all this gray right here. Um, All right, so now that you uh, have decided to really pursue music, what did it look like trying to make a name for yourself in the music industry? Oh my gosh, I feel like I'm doing that every day. Uh, When I'm trying to make a name for myself, I think escaping my dad's kind of proverbial shadow was easier said than done. No, okay. it was easier. It was actually easier to do than I thought it was because what I realized is in Nashville, it's harder. Okay. In Nashville, in the writing community, it's almost impossible and I probably never will. Mm-hmm. But if you leave the 440 loop of Nashville, all there is are people that don't have any clue what's going on in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so uh, hitting the road and touring for me is how I kind of eventually escaped that from for myself because I was out there and I was like Levi Humming. And that last name meant nothing to people in Chicago or nothing to people in middle of nowhere, Idaho. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had to prove myself and I was like, I had to be good, which was like hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, so I think that just made me get better too. And so um, while my dad in a way has been a crutch or something that I lean on throughout my life, I feel like outside of being a songwriter, I feel like that's where I get to thrive and exist and figure out what I'm worth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I would say just thinking too, you know, because it's a it could be a huge blessing, right? right? Having a great relationship with your dad, and you know that element, um, and or you could be stubborn and just go, I don't want to have anything to do with it, and right. just do your own thing, you know. So I'm sure there's, you know, a good balance of trying to find something in the middle, you know. Right. My guess. No, I think yeah, I think it's important to utilize that relationship in relationships, but Mm -hmm. it's also important to um, carve your own path. And I think this next chapter in my life, which I won't skip too far ahead Mm -hmm. is kind of based on everything that I've done on my own um, because the world is changing and like, I'm trying to change with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. All right. So consider you have plenty of people around you to learn from in the music industry. Uh, Did you seek their wise counsel or did you try to go at it alone? Uh, If you listen to the counsel, What's some what's some wisdom that really spoke to you? Oh my gosh, I've only listened to counsel. I mean, I can't even think of a moment where I haven't been listening. Uh, when I first signed my first publishing deal, it was with a guy named Desmond Child, who wrote like "Dude Looks Like a Lady," "Living on a Prayer." And it's funny, it's funny because we actually just talked about this. Okay, uh, but it is uh, it's so interesting because like learning from one of the great songwriters of all time. I learned, I just like absorbed everything he said. His name is Desmond. I don't know if I said that. Mm-hmm. Um, and like. Because of him, I eventually got to meet Bon Jovi, and I eventually got to write a song with uh, Steven Tyler that he put out on his record. That's cool. Uh, for his country record he put out <laughs> called Red, White, and You. Uh-huh. I don't love the song. I'm not going to front. I actually hate the song. So, <laughs> um, But that was a really cool experience. Uh, but you know, I got to learn from the greats because I was just surrounded by awesome people. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, one like huge inspiration for me was a guy who passed away named Andrew Dorff. And I used to write with him all the time. And because of him, I learned, he wrote like Save It For A Rainy Day and Neon Light by Blake Shelton and all these awesome songs. And I just learned a lot from him in the writing room about how to be unique and quirky. Mm -hmm. And um, and other than that, like everything, I mean, Michael Ray, touring with him in 2017, touring with Hunter Hayes in Mm -hmm. 2019, touring with Walker Hayes, everybody. You just absorb pieces of people. So you were touring with them at that... 19 oh no that's, this was i oh, okay, jumped, okay. jumped ahead my bad okay, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> but no it's just you know 
as an artist, you're kind of a sponge and what you try to do is you internalize and learn and then you try to turn it into your own thing, your own little mixture and then mm-hmm. give it back to the world. Yeah. Cool. All right. Um, shout out. Favorite local restaurant and favorite <laughs> nonprofit. Oh, that's easy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> favorite local restaurant is Urban Grub. If you okay. haven't yep. tried it, uh, they have the most amazing brunch on Sundays and highly recommend it. Oh my God, the steak and eggs is so good. Okay. Uh, favorite non-for-profit is Thistle Farms, which is started by my mother. They help women with a history of drug abuse and prostitution get off the streets. They make bath and body care products, healing oils, candles, voila, mm-hmm. and um, they're incredible. Yeah. yeah. So were you involved with that as a kid? Helping out? Yes. Stuff? My entire life while music was also half my mom. Um, and I saw Thistle Farm start on one table in the back of St. George's Church mm. over in Belmead um, and grow into now they have like a multi-million dollar warehouse. Um, they employ hundreds of women and they have now share trade, which employs thousands of women across the globe. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I'm assuming probably Ryan Lampley. You know Ryan Lampley? Mm-mm. He runs a uh, nonprofit. People live in Nashville. Oh, cool. And um, serving the homeless. But they're they're looking at as they're growing and you know making more of an impact versus like just showing up and giving food right they're like trying to create like they're, they're gonna stuff. start doing some uh, uh they got some guy that's roasting coffee and so then they'll employ some people and stuff so um i mean him, he probably could learn a lot from your mom yeah <laughs> all right so let's zoom into the specifics of what you love doing in the music industry such as writing singing playing music what instruments did you begin with and why I can pretty much play anything with strings if you just give me like an hour, uh, but guitar. Yeah. I mean, that's really my bread and butter, and that's what I loved. So were you always writing? Like, did you write first, then guitar? Because you didn't start until you were... My, yeah, my memory, writing. as it serves and is going away slowly, <laughs> uh, is uh, my dad taught me House of the Rising Sun was the first song I ever learned on guitar. And... um. House okay. of the Rising Sun and those first five chords that he taught me to play that song turned into my first 50 songs I ever wrote. So okay. I, I, like, I'll be on like TikTok Live or something like that mm-hmm. and people are like, play a cover. And I'm like, I don't know how to play covers. Like I never, I was never on Broadway. I never did any of that. It's a tool that I need to learn because people keep requesting it and I could right. probably make some more money if I did that. But no, covers for me are you take a song, internalize it and turn it into your own. Um, and so I only play in an hour set, two songs that aren't mine. And how old were you when you were learning how to play those strings? Uh, when I was learning, I mean, my dad, I feel like I'm talking so much about it. <laughs> uh, he basically taught me and told my brothers, he's like, you have to play one instrument, play one sport, and you have to do well in school. So my instrument was guitar. My brother's was bass. My middle okay. brother and my baby brother's was trumpet. Mm-hmm. So they've done nothing with that. I missed what you said. You said your dad encouraged y'all how? Right? Uh, he said, you got to play one sport. Okay. You got to play one instrument and then you have to do well in school. And if you okay. do all three of those, you're not going to be in trouble with me. Nice. Well, it's funny because you say, I feel like I'm talking talking about my dad, but like yeah. he kind of was part of your story, right? Yeah. He was in your life. Yeah. <laughs> he was a good dad. So no, he, he was, was part of the story. He's right? around, you know, that's part of being in the family business. Yeah. So you say. Um, well, it's, <laughs> it's interesting. So like, I love music. Yeah. Um, I love listening to it. Uh, everything from, you know, old school rap, R&B to new stuff. Actually, not new, new stuff. Um, not, <laughs> not new rap. I don't yeah. listen to that. Um, but uh, I don't have any talents in doing any of it, you know. And part of me is like, man, it's like, I need to, do I need to push the kids to do something, to learn something? Like, I can't teach them. But um, my, I don't know. There's just that, that thought of like, what, what would you suggest being, here and having kids like would you strongly encourage them to just learn something even if you know the expectation is that they're going to go be you know some superstar but yeah what, what's your thoughts on that i i mean there's nothing wrong i think with encouraging people to be creative i think creative stems into everything i mean my mom built thistle farms because she loves arts and crafts if you think about it like that um i know one day with my kids i'm gonna 100 encourage them to find something that they love and then just be excited for them and what they love. And if that means I got to put a guitar in front of them and say, try it, mm-hmm. then a hundred percent. But I don't think anybody's expectations and mine still are like, you know, I 
dream of being a superstar, but mm-hmm. it's not my expectations. I mean, my expectation is to to do the best I can and write the best song possible. Mm-hmm. Which is great because that way you're not possibly setting yourself up for failure, putting right. that pressure whenever, you know, something doesn't go exactly your way. It's like, hey, just keep pushing and pursuing. You know? Yeah. Um, like, yeah, be interesting. I didn't ask uh, Gordley, you know, what he thought in that process, but I'm pretty sure it was just, hey, just keep working. Right. Keep working. Keep working. You know? And he just won Songwriter of the Year, too. Yeah, I know, right? Songwriter of the Decade. Like, yeah, Songwriter of the Millennia, the Galaxy. What? What? The Galaxy's Best Songwriter. <laughs> that was, I think I told you, that was what was fun. We were we played poker at his house. This was probably 12 years ago, maybe, or something, when he was in Hendersonville. And all we listened to was old-school hip-hop and R&B. Right. Like, we never listened to any, any, <laughs> any country, you know, and yet done pretty well with it. Um, can I right. grab that water by any chance yes, for one of those yes, real quick yes. so sorry actually Benny. do the one that's not open is this not open yeah, perfect. and by the way I can you know yeah. edit um, alright we're doing pretty good on time um, Benny want any opinion on M&M's by the way alright <laughs> do you want a water I have another one in the car if you need one yeah yeah but I'm not sure I'll get it okay if, if you go out and yeah okay. alright so and the Grammy goes to Levi Humming Thank you. As you walk on stage, <laughs> you're filled with emotions and gratitude. Who are three to five people that would receive much gratitude and why? Uh, God, number one. Uh, my mom and dad for supporting me as I continue this. Co- <laughs> the, the footnote of everything belongs to my parents. Uh, you know, there's also other people. Fletcher Foster is a huge person that um, stuck with me from the beginning. Um, he, we no longer work together, but at this moment in time, he's somebody I definitely give a lot of thanks to. Mm-hmm. Um, and then everybody that's going to be in my life in the future, I'm going to thank them. Yeah. yeah. Now, uh, with the God part, is that just something you'd say because you're supposed to? Or, no, I or think like- I think it's always important. Um, I was actually having this really incredible conversation with my uncle. Mm-hmm. His name is Bud. Everybody has an Uncle Bud. Mm-hmm. But he is, um, he is a Catholic priest and the dean, I think, he used to be at Santa Clara. Now he's in um, Baltimore. But he sent me this text. He was like, it's so interesting that people can listen to Bach and then not believe in God. Mm. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, what? This is the most random text. And he was like, how do you hear that and not just believe like in creation of some kind of capacity? And I was like, you know what, Uncle Bud? The closest I ever feel to God is when I'm inspired. And when I feel like there is words in my mouth that don't belong to me. And I was like, songs aren't like, songs they're gifts and you just kind of take them so um whatever like spiritual belief someone might have like i believe that there's like a spiritual realm that you kind of chime into whenever you're being creative and that's like the beautiful part of it and even if you're writing a like a a hip-hop song from 1990 like i believe there's some kind of divine inspiration there Mm -hmm. and not saying anything bad about that but i don't think there has to be any context where it's not inspirational right right yeah it's funny you say that because like when i was doing this camper like a I spent four months in the garage rehabbing the whole thing. And at many times I'm like, why am I doing this? Right. What am I doing? You know, but I, but I felt it's like, all right, I could, you kind of, you know, get perspective, big picture, and it would kind of push you to work. So I'm assuming even in the music industry, it's like, yeah, if you feel that strong, you can't stop. Right. right? You just got to kind of keep going and have realistic expectations and, you know, let God do the rest. Yeah. Um, I had one of the thoughts. I lost it. Yeah, I'll come back. <laughs> um, all right, so, and then what do you like the best? You like kind of all of it? Like the, you like the writing, or yeah. the singing, or the playing? Like if you... Songwriter all the way. I mean, I love writing songs. That's, it's, it brings me the most joy. Um, I love going on a walk around Centennial Park and mm-hmm. finding inspiration that just like, you're like, whoa, where did that lyric come from? I mean, literally the song, Not From California, that I wrote for Tim McGraw, I was driving down Magnolia Boulevard, going to 16th Avenue, and literally the words, I'm more mountains and rivers than oceans and waves. I'm more moonshine and whiskey than vineyards and grapes. I'm not from California. I'm from somewhere you ain't anymore. That all like literally just fell out of my mouth. And I was like, what the what the hell was that? And I recorded it down. I didn't have a melody. Um, and then, yeah, the rest is history. But it was like, can you, like where the hell does a verse like right. that just fall out of the sky? And you don't even know. Right. And I was, I remember like, I was like in tears at mm-hmm. the end of that because I was like, I just like felt like something hit me like a lightning bolt. Mm-hmm. And my dad's funny. He's like, <laughs> he's like, inspiration doesn't come from here. It comes from like in your head, down and out. 
Mm-hmm. And it's really a beautiful thing. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I had that same thought one day. I was walking around Centennial Park, and I actually have it recorded, that same phrase. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was like, damn, copyright infringement. All right. So um, you obviously grew up with parents that made and are making a big impact. What have you learned from them in regards to giving back and pursuing a bigger purpose? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, one of the great things I've learned from my parents is giving. Um we been working a lot with ACM Lifting Lives recently. Um, during the pandemic, they basically helped my entire band get back on their feet. Yeah. And I saw them firsthand change people's lives and help them find food. And that were people that are mm-hmm. in music. And so that had a deep impact on me. Um, and so I've been working a lot with them and giving to them a lot. Um, and that's again ACM ACM Lifting Lives. Okay. And it's really special. Check it out. They help okay. basically artists, musicians, people um financially all over I mean all across the world um and so i think that seeing the impact my mom has had on women for instance in this community has inspired me to want something better for everybody around me and um while like my platform t- continues to grow i hope that i can always use it to help spread the message of thistle farms and everything like that right right yeah that's cool um All right, so if you're hanging out with your friends, sharing stories of your career thus far in the music industry, what are some common stories you share? Um, <laughs> and maybe what are one or two that you have not shared? Yeah. Ooh. Well, here's one. Uh, I mean, I I think talking about my Opry debut is always special. I've got to play 22 times now at the Opry, and that's always been something that I highlight in talking about how one time I was at the Opry and backstage, uh, Rita Wilson was actually getting to go for her Opry debut. And Rita Wilson's husband is Tom Hanks. Okay. And uh, so, yeah, yeah. I was like, hold on, the name sounds And uh, Tim McGraw <laughs> just happened to be there as well. And it was like Tom Hanks, Tim McGraw, and then uh, the Rascal Flats were playing that night as well. And Carrie Underwood was Wow, that's there. pretty awesome, And so awesome, I was like man. sitting in the hallway and... Uh, you weren't even nervous, right? I mean, I don't really get nervous in front of people. I, if only thing I get nerv- nervous from is um, actually making a speech. Okay. I can I can sing and whatever, but speeches mm-hmm. freak me out. Um, that comes from PTSD from a speech class in Belmont. Oh. Uh, but no, I was back there and Tim McGraw and Tom Hanks were there. There's actually a picture of this, and I was sitting there and just like literally talking to Tim McGraw and Tom. That's cool. For like 45 minutes. <laughs> we are just talking about life. And I was just like so surprised like who these people were. And they were just so down to earth. And then Tom Hanks walks into my green room, mm-hmm. sits on my couch in my green room, and just talks to my entire band and just doesn't leave. And we're like, what the hell is going on? Like, you just That's like, a pretty cool experience. <laughs> um, and he was so nice. Uh, another crazy story was that my first ever show, like real show, back in Nashville was the opening for Alabama at the Back to the Bowery Tour at the Ryman. Which is like everything's gone downhill since then. I swear to God. Okay. <laughs> uh, but we did two nights back to back, and the second night uh, was like the CMT was filming, mm-hmm. and we all had to share a green room because Alabama had all the green rooms. And if you don't know, the Ryman backstage is very small. Yeah. So I was upstairs in my in my little green room, and I had to share with everybody that was coming on for CMT that night. And they had buses and whatever, but they had to change in the actual place. Um, and so in my room was like Jason Aldean, Florida Georgia Line was there. <laughs> Um, Luke Bryan, everybody, and we're all sharing this a green room as big as this. I swear to God. And people are throwing really clothes small? off. It was wow. that small. Oh and we're like bumping in each other. And I was like, my first ever like initiation in country music was open up for Alabama and being bumped and shoved by Jason Aldean's manager. <laughs> right, so, right. Uh, it was like a it was a fun awakening. Yeah, well, that's cool too. I'm, I'm assuming just being around that crowd is pretty inspiring to yeah. continue to pursue it. It wasn't very well. inspiring in the green room. I'm not going to okay. front. It was it was really sweaty. And <laughs> You're like, I want out of this. I was this. like, this yeah. is not fun. <laughs> well, it's cool because, uh, you know, I'm not one like even with movie stars that, I don't know, I'm like, if I, if I saw one, I'd get so starstruck. Right. But there are certain ones that I've watched. Jon Snow. <clears throat> Tom Hanks. You yeah. know, Denzel White. Like, there's a handful that I'm like, man, I would love to meet them. You know? Yeah. So, that's pretty cool. That's, that's a neat experience. Um, I find it photo for you too yeah yeah all right so how did you get through the COVID years oh my gosh uh i basically my whole life stopped i went through a breakup and discovered social media was kind of a new tool for me 
And so how I got through it was getting close to family, taking trips in the car, um, and then learning how to use social media as a tool to expand my fan base. And we've been pretty successful on it. Honestly, like TikTok and everything has been such such a blessing. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that's what I did. And uh, and actually, I'm just thinking, did your did your dad tour or singer, or did he just he write? Used, he did back in the 90s. He was an artist. He was signed to Sony and a couple other places as well. So you were were you born? No, I was born in 91. Okay, so, so you, I you don't like I don't really remember it. I remember like him being gone a little bit, and then me like playing his record and crying because I was like, "Where's my dad?" Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> All right. So speaking <laughs> of social media. Um, how do you incorporate social media into sharing your music? Uh, do you enjoy it, or is it just something you must do? Uh, I'm finding ways to enjoy it. I think, I think when I like, when I'm just doing it to like because I have to. That's when I hate it. But when I'm doing it because it's fun, like if there's like I have a cool idea or something like that. That's when it's really fun. Um, I don't like when things don't work on social media. Like I have this really cool idea and it gets like 300 views instead of like 500 million. <laughs> like it just bums me out. So that's like the the bummer of sharing music. And um, it's so funny, man. Like you'll believe in a song and it doesn't work. And then all of a sudden the song that you just kind of put out, just kind of whatever. It's like the one that all of a sudden is just like everybody latches onto or there's a moment that's viral or whatever. And you just kind of got to ride the train. But it's yeah. what I've learned from social media and music is like, you just got to go with the fans. You got to go with the people listening because they're in charge now. Mm -hmm. And whereas like the music industry you used to be able to put a million dollars behind a marketing campaign for something. And that's what you're going to get out of it. Right now. It's like, you can put 10 bucks into something that's going to make a billion dollars, or you can put a hundred million dollars into something that's going to make 10 bucks. And that's just the way it is. Now, do you, do you find that it could steer you in a direction that you might not necessarily want to go as far as the music and being creative? Yes. And, and so far, every single moment I've had on social media has been exciting. Okay. Like anything that has been steered in a certain direction, I fully embrace it. I'm mm -hmm. not ever like, oh, I wish this didn't go so viral. It's always like, thank God. Mm -hmm. <laughs> thank you, please. Um, and like a good example of this is Good Riddance, a song of mine I put out. Uh, I put it on a Wednesday and it did nothing like Wednesday, Thursday had like 2000 streams. It was, it was the worst release I've ever had. And, um, on Friday I just posted this little snippet that said, I dare you to send this to your ex. Mm. And like the next day I woke up and 3000 people had sent it to their ex. And then a week later, 60,000 people have sent this song to their ex. Interesting. And it was like this, like one moment. And then the song is now like my most popular song right now. And it's like a song that I just put out just for fun. Yeah. Excuse <clears> me. <throat> Which is interesting because on one thought, I'm like, all right, if you don't get the likes, it can right. be discouraging. So then you just, oh, it is. Yeah, 100%. You, you move on. However, in this case, you used it if you, because I'm thinking, well, just don't, don't look at it, right? Just right. post it and have somebody post it and don't ever get on it. But if you hadn't seen that it didn't have much traction, you might not have thought, well, what else can I do to get it going, right? Right. And then all of a sudden it took off. So you, you just got to ride. Like I said, it's like you're the, music and the people in the industry are not in charge anymore. <laughs> yeah. It's everything is so readily available and there's so much content out there and there's so much consumption yes. that you just kind of got to go with it. It's, it's true. I mean, across podcasts and I mean, everything it's, yeah. it's pretty wild. All right. So from the words of Becca Stevens, form rituals that carve out time in your day to collect your thoughts before you are bombarded with everyone else's agenda. Do you have structure to your days or do you fly by the seat of your pants? I don't know anymore. <laughs> I, I'm regaining structure right now in my life. I think me and my best is somebody with a lot of structure and me with my worst is somebody who's like, all right, giddy up. Let's see what happens today. And I think, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of creating a new ecosystem literally today in my life. Um, and I'm kind of seeing where people fit and how I operate within it. And, it's gonna be really exciting. This next chapter, I think, is my big, my biggest and most, most exciting chapter for sure. Yeah. Now, so when you say ecosystem, is that structure, routine? Is it connect? You know, it's what, mostly what kind like, of like team members and how everybody kind of fits together. I would okay. say, um, and that's like it's funny because we're having this interview today, but it's like a very like not sensitive moment, but like it's like a moment where it's like there's a lot of changing pieces in a really positive way. I think, and so it's like 
it seems scary, but it's like you have to f- define your now your new routines. And my mom is so good about that. Like I said, there's like the mantra of my dad when he's on the piano and my mom is writing sermons and she always goes like in the bathtub and like writes her sermons and like you don't mess with my mom and don't knock on that door because she is in her like her Zen mode. Right, right, um, right. And so there's that, yeah. Which is interesting because my, I even putting this together and I always say, the shower, the shower thoughts. Yeah. Like when I'm in the shower, it's like, and I've actually had to learn to go stop thinking. Right. Just take the shower, get out, because you don't need any more ideas, you know. <laughs> um, all right. So, what do you think is key to being successful in the music industry? Connections, hard work, luck, talent, or something else? All, all the all above. above. Yeah. Literally all the above. But I, I think luck and connections are the two like talent is yes everybody has talent though so like Mm -hmm. let's just take everybody being the most talented people because they're all here in nashville anyways Mm -hmm. talents off the board luck 100 percent. like does a video go viral that could change your life right that's luck connections is who you create and the kind of your network and that's probably most sustainable and the thing that's going to change your life the most Mm -hmm. you know the one one thing i always respected about Gorley, which he had a business management degree from Belmont, is is the business side of how successful he's been. You yeah, know? it's just like obviously having a good business mind doesn't necessarily help you write the songs, but what happens with the songs from a financial standpoint and for the rest of your yeah. life is where he's really done well. To be honest, and had the discipline. Not to make a, hu- <laughs> a huge dig at people, but <laughs> it is kind of annoying though. Like. Cause I like people like will be like, are you a TikTok artist, Benny? <laughs> right. And it's like, I yes, I am in a lot of ways because you like you got to morph and got to change. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's like a lot of people nowadays are like marketing people. Like these like these kids that are blowing up are literally marketing and business majors, and it's like they're turning that into a right. business and music and like learning how those intersect. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that honestly, like thank God I have like a little bit of marketing brain and a little bit of business brain. Um, Cause I think a lot of artists right now are struggling like right. hardcore with not being marketing people and mm-hmm. not like so reliant on the old structure of record, de- record deals, radio, blah, blah, right, blah, right. Right. which is fair. It's just not the way of the world anymore. Right. Yeah. And so I feel for like a lot of people and I, I, you know, like even I feel for myself sometimes I feel like I'm like learning every day and trying to figure out how I exist in this world. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's so based on that, yeah. Yeah, that that makes sense because you can't even if you, I mean, especially you know, getting in it now or you know, still growing, like you can't just ignore that stuff. Right, you have to pursue it, or somebody has to for you. Um, all right, so talk about a few of your favorite songs you have written and the stories behind them. Wow, uh, almost all breakups. So let's go yeah. there. <laughs> I actually, my dad like makes fun of me because he's like, you need to stop writing songs about breakups all the time. Well, everybody else writes songs about drinking. I know. I was so, like, I, I don't. Mean, what's the difference? Yeah, I, I, I go, yeah, yeah, trucks, breaking up, drinking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, uh, let's go with a, a song called Not From California that I wrote for Tim McGraw. Um, that song, like I said, just kind of fell out of the sky. But the kind of cool part of that song was that, um, so I was on tour with Tim and I opened up for him at a place called Soaring Eagle in Michigan. And I got on stage that day and it was our first show together. And I literally lost my voice like halfway through my set. And I don't know if you've ever lost wow. your voice and tried to sing. It's not good. I don't sing. So <laughs> and enough. so, yeah, I lost my voice, tried to sing, didn't, nothing came out. And I walked off stage and Tim McGraw was side stage and I watched the entire show. Wow. And I was like, no, I was like, and I was like, I'm so sorry, Mr. Tim. I remember saying Mr. Tim. I was like, why do I call him Mr. Tim? And he, he was like, you crushed it. You good job. He's like, I've been there before. Like, don't even worry about it. I was like, thank you. That means like a lot. He goes, it's so funny that you're here today because I was just in the studio yesterday and I recorded your song, Not From California. Really? And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And like, I literally just like, that changed my whole, like my whole day turned into like the best day ever celebrating and everything. That's cool. Um, so, but that song, wrote it with the Warren brothers, my friend McVie and my dad's a part of that song as well. And it's, it's just a blessing that song. Um, another cool one is the song with Walker Hayes called paying for it. Mm-hmm. And we wa- rewrote that together. And that was, uh, just like a magical day. It was my first ever write with Walker. Um, and we wrote that song and we both know it knew it was so good. And he was like, what do we do with this? He was like, I just put out my country stuff EP, so I can't release it right now. He's like, let's send it to Jake Owen. So we sent it to Jake and Jake like texts us back and he's like, 
no. <laughs> I was like, okay, that answers that question. And so he's like, what are we going to do with it? And I was like, I'll feature you and we'll, I'll put it out. And he goes, 100%. So we decided that on a Monday. And on Wednesday, he does a dance to Fancy Like. And his whole entire life changes and like blows up on that Wednesday. And I called him on Thursday and I was like, do you still want to do this song together with me? Like, okay. I don't know if you want to. And he's like, Levi, I love this song 100%. He's like, use me and abuse me. And so we put out the song and it's been just such a crazy ride. And I think the song still has so much life left in it. Okay, that's cool. Cool. And what, remind me of the name of it? Paying For It. Okay. And that's a song I'll sing for you here in a bit. Okay. Um, all right. So if you could jot down a few words of wisdom and pass along to your younger self, what would it be? Slow down. <clears throat> you move too fast. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. All right. That's, that's easy and simple. All right, so from the great words of Paul and Timothy 4.7, I've fought the good fight, I've finished the race, I've kept the faith. When your journey's over, what kind of legacy are you hoping to leave? Oh, man. Uh, I was actually talking earlier about this, but I, you know, I want to be a champion for everybody around me. And, like, I really want people to be like, wow, I met Levi and these opportunities happened because of him and, and he always had my back. And, like, I feel like I'm loyal to fault in a way and I hope that um, I hope my legacy is just loyalty and, and people know that I was always inspired and always cared about everybody because mm -hmm. I really do. And I think, I think part of like a, a story of mine that I don't really share that much, but you know, I got a record deal really fast out of college, like super fast. And it kind of gave me a big head, uh, for a long time. And, and I didn't realize that people around me were being negatively affected by me kind of being confident, probably egotistic, probably whatever you want to call it. Um, and I remember sitting down with my agent at one point and I was like, and she was like, Levi, he's like, come down to earth. <laughs> like, like just be yourself. Like you're such a cool person, but, and nice. And you have all this to give. And he's like, but you're not being that way. Like, I can tell you're like, you're making up for something that like some kind of insecurity or something like that. And I was like, that is exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. Right. And like, you know, I'll just be straight up. Like I went to therapy and like did a bunch of stuff and, and it really helped me and it really helped me see who I was being and kind of my outward persona, whereas my inward persona were totally two different people. Um, and so I think it's really important to like realize that. And I just want to be a good person. Yeah. And so that's what my, hopefully my legacy is. That's pretty awesome. And that was your manager? Or who, who uh, that was my booking agent. Her name is Kylan, Kylan Sharp. Okay. And she sat me down at Fido's and like literally gave me the run of it. Is she still with you? Uh, not anymore, okay. but we are, we're close friends still. Um, but it's good wisdom from someone like that if they see something like that don't yeah. be afraid to speak up in yeah. love and because what would happen if you you know if she didn't take that time out right and I think it's so important in music like we all it's like it is a business about yourself but it's also there's so much more to it um, and it's so important to realize that and I think the best thing you can do for artists especially young artists like me for instance it's mm -hmm. like preventative mm -hmm. like be preventative in terms of mental health especially because like people people hurt people like when they're when they feel like they matter more because nobody matters more than anybody. I mean, that's the truth. And, um, there's a lot of young artists right now that are blowing up on like TikTok and stuff like that, that need just to come down to Jesus and just realize, you know, it's like we all are on the same globe right. spinning around together. And what I've realized through this whole process is it's a roller coaster. And so when you're on your way down and not your way up, that's when you need to have other people that still love you and care about you. Yeah. Awesome. Well, um, that's all we got. Look at that, 46 minutes. Amazing. That's, that's pretty good, right? All right, man. Well, I appreciate you uh, giving us this time. And uh, so tell everybody where they can uh, they can find you. Yes. Hello, everybody. Uh, find me at Levi Huntman on everything. It's Levi like the jeans, Huntman like hummus with an O-N. Mm -hmm. um, and we have some amazing stuff coming up. I think the best the best is yet to come, and I mean that in like, the most positive way possible. Um, and so stay tuned. Are you uh, playing any? Anywhere around here? So. Yeah, we're we're working on some stuff I can't really discuss just okay. yet. But uh, a cool thing I'm doing is uh, Tim Pan South on March 31st. I'm playing Mississippi on uh, April 1st. Hopefully it's not a fake show and they're just messing with me. Uh, Knoxville, Tennessee on April 22nd. I'm actually doing a thing at Cotton Eye Joe for the St. Christopher's Fund, which is for truckers all around the world. Cool. And um, you going to do the dance? Cotton Eye Joe? Oh, yeah. And uh, and then April 25th, I'm playing Napa Valley for Live in the Vineyard Goes Country. Okay. And that's going to be a really special date. Cool. Awesome. All right, man. Well, now we'll hear you play a song. Let's do it. Now, sit back. 
Turn up the volume and listen to Levi play a song in the Rambler. This is my song, Paying For It, and it's featuring my buddy Walker Hayes. Here we go. Bought all your drinks, never split one bill. I made it green, but I made it rain on your field. Never saw one penny roll out your purse the whole time we were hooking up. When you said goodbye, I figured I'd be a little bit richer, but I'm still paying for it out the damn wazoo. Like you, still on my tab, girl, cause I'm drinking for two. Dropping all my quarters on them sad, sad songs. And that cab ain't half price, even though I'm riding alone. Ain't just that piggy bank, you broke my heart. Ziggy breaking too, I'm still paying for it. Met a girl in a bar, had a dance or two. Had a real good chance of taking her home till I called her you. Offering play went by church and I almost took a dollar Feels like we got divorced and I had a real cheap lawyer And I'm still paying for it out the damn wazoo Like you still on my tab girl cause I'm drinking for two Dropping all my quarters on them sad sad songs And that cab ain't half price even though I'm riding alone just that piggy bank, you broke my heart. Zaki breaking too. I'm still paying for it. Alright, here's my Walker Hayes impression. I said my bill falls empty, so is my heart. Ain't no credit left on my credit card. Running out of tears, I'm running out of gas. Hit the ATM and it hit me back. The transaction denied, baby. Why you got me locked outside, baby? I don't even got a little jangle. I don't like being broken single. Costing me all kind of things money can't buy. Yep. Should've known what I had before I let it go. Just like my last time. And I'm still paying for it out the damn wazoo. Like you still on my tail, girl, cause I'm drinking for two. Dropping all my quarters on them sad, sad songs. And that cap ain't half price, even though I'm riding alone. Ain't just that piggy bank you broke my heart is achy breaking too And I'm still paying for it Yeah, I'm still paying for it Thank y'all I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did Levi shared a lot of great insight as we walked through his story, and hopefully you found a good nugget or two to apply to your life. The sponsor of this podcast is me. If you're looking for any real estate needs in the Nashville area, make sure to give me a shout if you're looking at buying or selling or if you're looking for an investment property. Also, if you have a home that needs some repairs, you can give me a shout as well. I have plenty of uh, contacts of subs that can do work around the area. And if you are also moving um, outside of Nashville and are looking for an agent, I have uh, access to a, a big network of agents that I can connect you with. Make sure to check out the show notes for more details on Levi and how you can connect with him and go listen to him play live somewhere in the near future. As always, thanks for tuning in to Nashville Untold. And if you enjoyed the show, make sure to subscribe and share it with a friend or family. And if you have a minute, go ahead and feel free to leave a review.